Well, welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and I'm very excited about our show this evening. Um, This show is presented to you by Great Southern Bank. They're our presenting sponsor, and we're very grateful for Joe Turner, Kelly Polonis, all the teammates over at Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs, and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. Other sponsors that we'll be talking about throughout the show, Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. So we have a great show tonight, but first let's recap a little bit from last week. Last week we talked pickleball. This new craze that is going from coast to coast is pickleball. And we got to speak to the president of the In Pickle magazine, and we really enjoyed that show. Uh, if you want to listen to that, you can go to the website at coachesperspective.com and you can listen to it under a podcast of previous shows, or you can find it on Apple iTunes, on Spotify, on Verbal, and on Helium Satellite Radio on Tuesdays from 1 to 2. Central Standard Time. All of those are under a coach's perspective. All right, so let's get right to our first segment. And I I have uh, this segment is called the Human Champion Profile. I talk a lot on this show about how we have a lot of labels and a lot of unique characteristics. And, you know, those all should be celebrated. But at the end of the day, we're all humans. Um, And that is a commonality that, that we have. And we all have the ability to live like champions. Um, so being a human champion is, is a lifestyle and it's demonstrated by your actions and your words and how you treat others. Um, my guest tonight is a great reminder of living like a human champion. So I wanna welcome to the show, Ed Chapin. Thank you. You know, we're, we're gonna talk about your resume throughout the show. Um, I have, uh, I've been promoting this show for a while. And, and so I know that my listeners have, have heard a little bit of your resume and we're gonna continue to talk about it. But as a snapshot, you grew up on a farm in West Plains, Missouri as a zizzer. And now you're one of the most decorated attorneys in San Diego. Uh, that is a, a pretty uh, incredible, incredible feat. And what you have accomplished in your professional life is not by accident. You've worked very hard. Uh, throughout your career, and that's been very evident in the accolades and the actions that, that we have noticed. Um, but I want to start, I want to go back to West Plains. I want to go back to Zizzerland, and I want to talk to you a little bit about what was like growing up in that community. Well, uh, West Plains is, uh, was a nice place to grow up, and I'm thankful that I grew up there. Uh, I grew up on a farm. It had been in my family a long time, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I have it now. It's been in my family since 1899. Oh. So, um, but it's Ozark farmland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so lots of rocks. <laughs> lots of rocks. Lots of, uh, yeah. Uh, rocks, clay, copperheads, and uh, weeds and thorn trees. Uh, no, seriously. Uh, uh, you, you know, it was, it was a... Um, as I look back on it, uh, uh, we didn't have electricity when I was uh, I was born. We didn't get electricity until I was four years old or so. Uh, and then, uh, uh, of course, uh, without electricity, we didn't have any modern conveniences. And but that's the way we lived. And uh, uh, so uh, we managed to uh, survive. Our house burned. Uh, 
when I was about eight years old and we rebuilt. Uh, and it was, uh, uh, I, I say this because it was an example, uh, uh, an exercise in, in, uh, in survival and in perseverance, uh, hard work, and uh, those things that, uh, that are important in life for sure. That is a great, um, a great segue, you know, to, to why I'm profiling you. Um, just, you know, just the, the journey and the coping skills that you've developed throughout your life. Um, you know, this is a sports talk show, um, but I, you know, I am uh, relating what you have, have done in your life um, to what athletes and coaches, um, you know, what they train for, what they train for. So let's talk a little bit about your sports days at, at West Plains. You know, you played three sports, football, basketball, baseball. Um, you even continued football at Missouri State and uh, University. So tell me a little bit, though, about your high school sport experience and what it was like to, to represent West Plains in that community. Well, it was uh, it was uh, a great experience. Uh, I. Uh, you know, I, I'm six five, and I, I'm way over uh, weight right now. <laughs> Excuse me. But uh, growing up, when I, I went to high school, I was only five five. I was a little runny guy, and uh, I didn't make any of the teams. I was too small. But I had a growth spurt, and uh, my junior year, I played football and uh, baseball, and then uh, my senior year. During the football season, the coach at that time was a legendary guy named Jim Peters, and he came to me and wanted me to play basketball because I was big and uh, one of the two biggest guys in school. And uh, since he had cut me uh, from the team previously, I got even and I said, no, I'm not going to play. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I learned about Coach Peters. Uh, and his tenacity, uh, he went to my mother and uh, that uh, that ended <laughs> that uh, that ended my holdout. Uh, and so I went out and I, I played basketball. He would take me that would be illegal today, but he'd take me to the gym on Saturday morning and work out with me after uh, football games on Friday night when I was pretty well beat up. But I learned the fundamentals. And uh, so uh, I had a an enjoyable basketball season and football was, uh, football was football. And, uh, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I enjoyed, uh, that, uh, that sport. I played in both, both those days, both ways. My best sport was baseball and, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, uh, played baseball my junior and senior years. And, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, you asked me uh, uh, about lessons learned, or that was uh, the import of your question, I think. And I would say this: that West Plains was a very was a small school. It was the smallest large school in the state, and we had maybe two or three students over that 500 student, whatever it was, limit to become a, a, a class L school. And we had competitive teams, and we had competitive teams because. Uh, in my case, if I played sports, that means I didn't have to work on the farm. And so uh, there was uh, there was motivation uh, there. Uh, uh, but no, seriously, uh, we had uh, scrappy teams and uh, we didn't always win the conference or the we, we didn't win state, but we were always competitive as could be. And uh, so I learned uh, competitiveness. Uh, I learned persistence and uh 
you know, when you play three sports in a year at school, uh, by the time I graduated, I was tired. And uh, uh, it was uh, something I remember vividly that I, I thought, wow, I'm going to get a break for a while. Right. So, but I had, uh, you know, good coaches and, and uh, uh, learned a lot about uh, uh, what it takes to, to win. I think that's a really important lesson. And, and you know, we talk a lot on, on this show about uh, multi-sport athletes and the benefits of multi-sport athletes and how you get different experiences. I mean, you just um, spoke to how football was different from basketball and baseball and um, and they do, they bring different um, cultures, different coaching philosophies. Um, you know, there's a different environment from each of those coaches. So I'm glad to hear you're a multi-sport athlete. I was glad to find that because I think that is something that also helps shape us as well. Thank you. Well, I, I think, I think so. Uh, I, I've never allowed myself to become pigeonholed even in my profession. And so uh, I guess I got a start at that early on in life. Right. There you go. Well, you know, and, and I'm going to ask you this question too, as you are playing three sports and then now as a successful businessman and an attorney, tell me, you know, how would you define a good teammate? This also goes with good coworker. Um, so how, you know, at, throughout your life, you've had, you know, you had teammates and now you have coworkers. How would you describe a good teammate? Well, that's interesting. That's a very good question. Uh, I, I go back, uh, not only to my playing days in sports, but to my days in the military and even in work. Uh, uh, somebody that is, uh, is uh, open, uh, somebody that uh, communicates, uh, someone who is not selfish. I, I like to put it in positive terms, but uh, 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 someone who's uh, magnanimous uh, and willing to share the credit uh, someone who was going to work hard. Uh, and, uh, I, I remember one time I was in trial and I was working with a young lawyer and he was getting kind of tired. It was around midnight or one o'clock in the morning and we still had a little work to do. And I <clears throat> looked at him and I said, you know, the difference between the men and the boys. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, the boys are home asleep and the men are working. And uh, so he thought that was crazy, but. Uh, <laughs> Lesson so, learned. Yeah, but you know, uh, uh, somebody that, uh, that you look forward to talking to, someone that you can rely upon uh, to do their job, carry their load. Those are components, I think, of what makes a good teammate. And somebody who's, who's willing to put in the effort. Oh, I agree. Definitely. I mean, and I think that's the foundation. That work ethic has to be the foundation of a good teammate, because if you are a hard worker, you're going to have respect of your teammates. If you're a hard worker, uh, you're going to be dependable for your teammates. Um, there's So I agree with you. I think that's the foundational characteristic of a good teammate and, and a good coworker. Well, you know, I, I agree. And and I, I have uh, I read something the other day about Tom Brady, the Buccaneers quarterback, and they say that he's the first one in the training room, the last one to leave. I believe that. I believe that. And it shows. And yeah, and it does show. And the people respect him. So, yeah. All right. Well, good. All right. Well, we're going to take our first break. And uh, hopefully you can stick around with us. And we'll, we'll take a quick Happy break. Happy to. 
Wonderful. I want to thank Great Southern Bank for being our presenting sponsor. And we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with Ed Chapin right here on A Coach's Perspective. Welcome back to A Coach's Perspective. This segment is sponsored by Highland Dairy. Highland Dairy is owned by dairy farmers, and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact from scientific studies, professional dietitians, that the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate, and they're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. And we appreciate Greg Stevenson and his entire team over at Highland Dairy. So we're back with Ed Chapin, um, who is a, a very decorated attorney in the San Diego area, but with ties to the Ozarks growing up in West Plains. Um, so, you know, Ed, we've talked a little bit about your high school days. Um, you played a year at football, a football at Missouri State, then Southwest Missouri State University for Aldo Steven, which, um, you know, that is a legendary name around these parts. How did you like um, being a collegiate athlete and playing for Coach Steven? Well, um, uh, how did I like being a collegiate athlete? I'll answer that first. You know, it was uh, a step up from high school uh, football, uh, and uh, but it was different than high school football. And uh, uh, and Coach Sieben, uh was an interesting guy. Uh, a uh, he'd been an excellent athlete in his uh, intercollegiate days. Uh, he had an assistant coach named Ed Lechner. And Ed Lechner had an interesting story uh, uh, for sure. And he was, I played end uh, and uh, he was my position coach. And so uh, I probably interacted more with Lechner than I did with Sieben. But, uh, uh, you know, being a freshman, uh, you're kind of down on the totem pole and uh, the head coach is looking at, uh, you know, the starters and, uh, and, and, and not so much, uh, at the uh, the rookies uh so that's why i probably had more contact with legner but uh so how was it playing college football you know college football uh was uh, uh like i say a step up but the thing that i uh, felt about uh, college football was that uh i didn't see how it was going to help me in my career as i was not going to be a coach I knew that I wasn't going to be a professional football player. And, and so, uh, and I, uh, didn't have a scholarship and I needed money. So I, uh, I didn't continue after my freshman year and quite frankly, football is the only thing that I never saw through to the end in my life. And in one sense that has caused me to, it's something I may think about at time to time when I'm, thinking about uh, not continuing something. And uh, so uh, there was a big lesson there, but you know, football was football and uh, I played the year and, uh, and that was it. Well, and you can be proud of that. You can say you're a collegiate athlete, number one. And, and number two, sometimes it's not that, um, that you didn't see things through, but you just took a pivot. Um, you pivoted and went a different direction. Um, oh yeah, and- that's, that was for sure. Yes. I, yeah, I went to work. 
Right. And, and yeah. that's, um, you know, you went to work, you're going to school, um, you're trying to do better, you know, yourself and educate yourself. Um, that had, there had to be some lean times. Um, and there's a lot of college students and athletes right now um, that have some high anxiety times. Um, what, you know, how did you cope and move forward? How did you um, get through some of those difficult times in your younger years? Just put your head down and, uh, and put one step in front of the other one and keep going. Yeah. It can, I mean, that's, it can be that that's, simple. It can be that simple. That, that was, that's how simple it was for me. And so, uh, yeah. Well, and I know that things have, have changed and we're going to talk a little bit, um, in our next segment about your military service and, and your path to law school. Um, but when you are, you know, at, at, Missouri State University, or shall I say Southwest Missouri State uh, during that time, um, you know, during those formative years and that young, um, you know, how did you find your direction? There's a lot of college students that don't even know what they want to major in, what they want to do with their lives. Um, you know, how did you know what direction you wanted to go in or did you for a while? I was going to say, did, you're assuming that, that <laughs> yeah. I knew. No, you know, I started out, um, not knowing for sure what I was going to do as a freshman, uh, you know, 18 years old, uh, and, uh, foot loose and fancy free. And, uh, you know, Springfield was a big town to a, uh, farm boy from West Plains. And, uh, so I explored Springfield and, uh, and, uh, and enjoyed it and, and wasn't very focused. Uh, but as time went on and, uh, uh, I, I think that as I look back on it, I had experiences that caused me to start focusing. And uh, you mentioned the military. Uh, I got into, uh, uh, I went into advanced ROTC uh, with the, uh, the goal of becoming an officer on uh, graduation. And so there were some leaders there that were, uh, uh, very, uh, very good for me and, uh, had a very good example. And so I started focusing and I had some friends that were, that we, we talked about things and focused. And, uh, so it was just a confluence of events and circumstances that, uh, caused me to, uh, uh, get, get my act together and focus more. That, also, you know, rem reminds me of how important it is for students to get involved when they're in school. You know, you get involved. in yeah, that's school. true. And I, I think that seems to help them a lot, find a little bit of direction. And, and I'm so I'm glad to hear that you say that um, that did help kind of get you your focus and on your path. Well, it was. I was involved in student government and uh, that helped a lot. Uh, I was president of the Infantry Council. And uh, so. Uh, I was active in student life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes maybe a little too active. <laughs> <laughs> but that makes a big difference, you know. I, I think that makes a big difference. And and being a, a former athlete, you that sometimes is a natural leadership um, position. And I think that helps uh, a lot um, to be that former athlete well, to be able to take those those positions. It is. And uh, as I look back on my life, I've always gravitated toward leadership roles and responsibilities. Uh, and uh, I think I, I got that from my folks. My father was, uh, he was a farmer, but he took an active role in some important things in our little community. My mother was. And uh, so I saw that example and uh, uh, like a moth to a flame, I went for it. Yes. 
Um, tell me what what did your what what was on your farm? What did they grow? Uh, crops or did they have cattle, horses? What? All the above. All the above, everything. <laughs> yeah, oh, we had we had different times sheep. Uh, we always had cattle, uh, beef cattle, dairy cattle, uh, and uh, chickens, uh, <laughs> hogs, uh, and then uh, what we would grow as crops to feed them and. Um, so it was just sort of a subsistence farm. Well, I, as someone that's married to a farmer, I can appreciate that life. I can appreciate uh, what that what that does for a family, for sure. Yeah, it it uh, it's it's it has challenges. Well, it keeps you grounded. <laughs> that's for it sure. does. It, it keeps, does. It keeps you very grounded. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I like, I would, you know, one of the next things I wanted to ask you is who were some of your mentors and has some of your influences. So it sounds like your parents um, were, were two of your big influences in those formative years. Yeah, I had uh, an interesting situation. Uh, my uh, father had a younger brother. And uh, so uh, uh, my uncle Harry and uh, they worked together on the farm for uh, a number of years. And then Uncle Harry had his own farm and, and we had ours. Uh, and uh, But we were very close. And my father and his brother uh, were close. They, they were with each other in some form or fashion every day of every week. We would either go to Uncle Harry's for a few minutes or he would come to us or we would be working on his farm and or he'd come down and work on our farm. So I saw an example of brotherly love that was, uh, that was, I think that very rare that you see in, uh, in life. So that was uh, that example. And then my mother had uh, a brother and a sister and they were very close. And so we had a very close family, extended family. And uh, that's how I grew up. Two of my uncles were lawyers. Uh, and uh, my mother's sister was a school teacher. And uh, so our kids, the kids would all get together and cousins. And so we were one big happy family a lot of the times. And it was, it was something that I look back on with great fondness. That's wonderful. And how did we get connected? Do you remember? Yeah, you told me my cousin Harry. Yeah, that's right. Cousin yeah. Harry reached out, so I want to thank Harry now publicly, and I appreciate uh, him reaching out to me and letting yeah. me know what a great profile you would be. Well, we <laughs> so uh, far so good, Ed. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, I told him I'd try not to disappoint him, but he's like a he's like a, a little brother to me, and uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. Right. His his dad was like a second dad to me. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. All right. Well, we're going to take our next break and we're going to come back and continue our profile with Ed Chapin. I want to thank Highland Dairy again for sponsoring this segment, along with Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio. We'll be back with Ed Chapin right here on A Coach's Perspective. They know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. You've got to give Kelly Grant and Shane Rainey a call. They will take care of you. Give them a call at 417 326 
7671. They will do a coast to coast search and find exactly what you're looking for and bonus in your price range. All right, we're back with Ed Chapin. And, you know, we've, we've had, uh, we've discussed a little your high school. We've discussed a little about growing up in West Plains. And, um, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, we've, we discussed your college days as well. Um, when you graduated from Southwest Missouri State University, you enrolled in the service. Um, and, and we're coming up on Veterans Day. So the very first thing I want to say is thank you. Thank you for your service. I am very grateful for you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I did do a little research and found, you know, you've, you've been awarded three bronze stars, um, combat infantry badge, an air medal, an army commendation medal during the Vietnam service. Um, you were a line officer in the United States Army Infantry Unit in Germany for four years. Um, and then you were in ground combat Three service. Three years, yeah. Four, from, yes, I have from 64 to 68 and ground combat service. Um, I mean, you you were in um, service. Uh, this was not just something that you clocked in and clocked out. You were in service both feet in. Um, and that had to be a lot about what your growth and development as a man was. It was kind of microwave during that time, if you will. What can you tell us about that time in your life that affected you as a person? Yeah, you know, that's a very good question. And I, I really look back on my military service as being uh, the, the uh, defining period in my life. And a, a lot of uh, who I am uh, was, uh, was developed uh, uh, in those eras. I was in uh, Germany for 30 months. I was in Vietnam for a year. And then I had a couple of schools in, uh, uh, in between uh, uh, Germany and uh, Vietnam. So, so anyway, uh, how, how did it define me? You know, I had responsibilities uh, uh, when I, uh, uh, well, let me back up. When I went in the army, I had never flown in an airplane. Uh, and so uh, uh, I went to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia and went to a school there. And then I decided I wanted to be a paratrooper and jump out of airplanes. Uh, why I wanted to do something crazy like that, uh, who knows? But yeah. anyway, uh, 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 young and young and foolish. So I uh, <laughs> I was on the air, first airplane I'd ever been on, uh, and the thing took off, and I didn't land in it. I jumped out of it, oh and, and I, I I did that for the next four flights. So my first five times in an airplane, I jumped out, never landed, <laughs> uh, and uh, and so. But, but, you know, uh, you go through that training and it gives you a, a sense of accomplishment. It's like, you know, going through a good football season and, uh, and, and playing well and doing well. And uh, so it's a confidence bolstering experience. Uh, and so I go to Germany and uh, I'm put into positions of responsibility. I was, uh, my first position was in charge of 44 guys as a platoon leader. And these are 44 men who've come in from all over the country uh, and uh, all over the United States and then transported to Germany. And uh, so we had a responsibility for uh, a line of defense uh, in Germany uh, during the Cold War. And so it was a pretty intense time. And uh, fortunately, uh, there were opportunities afforded to me to move up and to do different things. And so I had 
uh, different positions and uh, each one with more uh, responsibility. I was fortunate to have done well. And uh, I had a couple of good mentors uh, during that time, one in particular who just recently passed away uh, and that I really looked to, to uh, uh, as being uh, helping my development along. And so uh, uh, that's how Germany was. Uh, <clears throat> the story is that uh, I was, I had been in Germany for about uh, 30 months. I had a, uh, yeah, I had a three-year tour there, supposed to have. So I was in uh, London on leave, and I called the Pentagon to find out what my next assignment was going to be, because at that time, I, I was a regular officer, and I was considering making the Army a career. So I called the Pentagon. I'll never forget uh, the, uh, the, uh, the southern, deep southern voice uh, answered the phone and said, uh, infantry officer personnel, Colonel Moore. And uh, so uh, I asked him what my next assignment was going to be. And he said, you mean you don't know? And I said, no, I don't. He said, well, uh, where are you? And I told him and I was on leave. He said, you better get a hold of your unit because you're leaving uh, Germany in five days uh, and you're being reassigned to the Big Red One in Vietnam. I thought, holy mackerel, this is, uh, that's how I learned. Well, that guy, that, that fellow, I come to learn was the, Colonel Halmore of uh, soldiers, uh, we were soldiers once and young. Uh, he commanded the battle of uh, uh, the first CAV uh, unit was in the Iadrang battle, battle in 1965. There's been a lot written about it. And he wrote a book and he just recently passed away. So anyway, uh, uh, then I go to Vietnam and uh, uh, I uh, am an army captain. I'd been a company commander in Germany an infantry company commander. So guess where I'm headed in Vietnam? I'm headed for a rifle company. And uh, I get on an air, on a helicopter uh, and fly out into the boondocks. I meet my boss uh, and uh, we have a little uh, introductory uh, uh, discussion. And uh, he assigns me to take over uh, a company uh, with a, a couple of days of shadowing another company so I can get a feel for what's going on in Vietnam. And I was a company commander uh, in uh, the 1st Infantry Division. And uh, uh, then uh, after six months, I went into the operations, uh, the nerve center of the division that uh, was very intense. And uh, especially when Tet 68 hit. And so uh, I had a uh, an intense experience. Unfortunately, I came out uh, with all my body parts uh, still intact. Uh, some people would say emotionally that I was not intact, but uh, everybody that uh, when you come out of combat, I don't care who you are, you're changed, you're a different person than uh, you were when you went in. But those things all um, came together to make me who I am. And, and I can appreciate that. I appreciate you looking back on that and seeing those experiences, um, you know, as as shaping you as the person you are. And and I I am I am curious, you know, in this day and age when um, we have such a, a mental health um, crisis, if you will, there's oftentimes the mental health has become in the forefront for for various reasons. 
um, when you came back, were you, you know, offered any emotional or mental health support um, after what you had been through? <laughs> none, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. It was, it was all you. self-help. It was all self-help. Uh, you know, I, uh, I remember coming out of Vietnam and uh, I came out with a couple of guys that were from uh, the same uh, position that I was on. And uh, so we were uh, being a little bit, I guess, black humor. Uh, we said, you know, when this airplane takes off, we want to have a check fire of the artillery and, uh, and tactical air and, you know, so that we won't have a mid-air collision or get shot out by friendly fire because it was, uh, it was a pretty, it's pretty hectic, pretty intense time. I bet it was. I bet it was. Well, again, thank you for your service. Well, thank you. Um, so I imagine when you came back from overseas, you know, you were trying to, to find your way, if you will, and your path took you to law school at University of Missouri. Um, and you, you went to law school. Why law? Well, I had, I had uh, had a uh, somewhat of a desire to go to law school for a long time. Uh, as I said, my mother's brother was an attorney and her sister's husband was an attorney. And, uh, you know, I'd watched uh, s- some cases in West Plains and in the courthouse. And I just had a, uh, a desire to, to do that. I, it seemed like something I'd like to do. And so I, uh, I pursued it. And when I got out of Vietnam, really, what I wanted to do was go to law school, get my law degree and go into politics. Uh, and uh, so... Uh, I worked in some campaigns and what I saw of politics, I didn't like at all. And I decided I wasn't going to be doing that. I was going to do something else. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't yeah. blame you. Oh, but, uh, well, we, we're going to continue to talk about um, your law and, um, and how you got to California from Missouri. Um, what was that draw? Well, I think I can credit Vietnam with that. Uh, when I was in law school, uh, it was a, it was a challenging time for me because uh, this was in the uh, uh, late '60s, early '70s. There was a lot of unrest on college campuses, uh, and uh, the war was a big uh, big issue. Well, I was a veteran, and uh, that was not an issue for me anymore. And I, quite frankly, uh, I'm a different person today than I was then. But then I was probably a, a hawk, uh, if you were going to categorize me, as, whereas I'm a dove now. But uh, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I kept abreast of what was going on in, uh, in Vietnam. What's the news every night, Walter Cronkite, and uh, stay up with things because I knew from my last assignment in Vietnam what was going on in the entire country. Uh, and so I tried to stay uh, abreast of that, and especially what was happening in our area of operation. But uh, so I, uh, uh, that bothered me. Uh, and the social unrest was something that I, I was a veteran and I wanted to get on with my life. And uh, I felt that this unrest was interfering with it. So it was a restless time for me. And when I went to law school, uh, ironically, I went to Mizzou, but uh, I was one day bef- away from going to the University of Texas Law School because I had been admitted there and not admitted at Mizzou. Uh, and uh, so a, a friend of mine in West Plains, Newt Brill, uh, was a very uh, highly regarded student at uh, Mizzou and, uh, and law school. He called and 
found out that I was admitted and they just hadn't notified me. And uh, so my wife at the time had a fellowship to work on her master's and it was for a good sum of money in those days. And uh, so economically, I chose to go to Mizzou rather than going to Texas uh, to law school. All right, so I'm at Mizzou and uh, there's a lot of uh, unrest, a lot of hell raising going on. And uh, so it, it bothered me. And I got to thinking about me and who I was and I was restless and I thought, you know, I've got a lot of great friends in West Plains and that I grew up with. They're good people, and uh, but but I'm different. Uh, I've changed because of my experiences, and I'm going to bore them to death. And uh, and so rather than lose them as friends and be an outcast, I let me go somewhere and see if I can uh, get myself uh, squared away, and uh, then I'll evaluate what I'm going to do uh, later on down the road. And what I uh, did a lot of research in San Diego, California, kept popping up. And uh, I uh, came out here and fell in love with it. And uh, but it was at a time when the economy in San Diego was in the doldrums. And so uh, it was very hard to get a job interview even. And there was a judge here who had gone to Mizzou and he and I hit it off. I met with him. We hit it off and he got me an interview with a guy in the city attorney's office. And this fellow was responsible for hiring. And uh, keep in mind, again, this was in the early 70s. Uh, there was still a lot of stuff going on on campus uh, and uh, what have you. Well, I had a blue suit, white shirt, and a red tie, and I had my hair cut, my shoe shine, and my teeth brushed. And I gave him my resume, and he called me into his office. And uh, we started talking about the Army. He'd been a paratrooper, as I had been. And so there was uh, an immediate connection there. And he offered me a job and I, that's how I got started. That's fantastic. That's a, that's quite a path. I love that. I love that. Well, we're going to Bye -bye. continue to talk about your career in law. Uh, we're going to take our next break. Um, and when we come back, we'll continue talking here with Ed Chapin here on a coach's perspective. Thank you to West logging for sponsoring this segment, go to westlogging.com contact Danny West. He's going to treat your land like his own. We'll be right back here on a coach's perspective. Coach's Perspective. The segment is sponsored by Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance. We're back with Ed Chapin. Um, and, you know, you're a veteran litigator, um, you know, taking over 100 cases to trial um, and counting uh, in your 45 plus years as an attorney. I mean, let's talk about going to trial. All right. This is a sports show. So as an athlete, you train, you prepare, you study, you look at all angles for victory before game day right? On game day, you've got to perform. It's time to go. Um, so you have to apply your training, your preparation uh, and studies into your performance. I would imagine that being a trial attorney, that you use your athletic background, you use your background of farming, that you use your military service to combine and shape yourself to be the best litigator that you can possibly be. Am I correct? Well, let me make one clarification. I'm not a litigator. I'm a trial lawyer and there's a difference between litigators and trial lawyers. But as, the, as a trial lawyer, you're a warrior. And uh, that's kind of how we look at it. Uh, I have a lot of good friends who are very accomplished trial lawyers. You, uh, 
you bring all those things to bear. And a lot of us have been athletes. A lot of us have been uh, in combat uh, and uh, the people that I run with. And, and uh, so uh, uh, you have those experiences and they shape your, your, uh, your hard work, uh, your persistence uh, and uh, help steal you for what you have to do. Well, and, and you've had a lot of um, cases that have, have been kind of spotlight cases, if you will, um, that have gotten a lot of attention, um, you know, and I know that it's kind of a rush when you get the verdict. It's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, figuratively, of course, you know, like an athlete holding the trophy over your head. Um, but, you know, there's been losses, too. Um, and there's been hard times. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and then, and yeah. Uh, we've kind of already talked a little bit about overcoming, you know, the anxiety, um, you know, and, and fear of failure, if you will. Um, and you've talked about that about students, um, but adults are in their prime and they have setbacks. Um, how do you how do you shake some of the setbacks and continue forward to keep moving um, to try and get that victory? Well, you have to realize uh, uh, and there's kind of a joke amongst uh, trial lawyers. Uh, when somebody says they've never lost a case, then you know one or two things. They've never tried a case uh, that's of any difficulty or they're damn liars. So uh, uh, you have to do a lot of preparation, uh, work with the client, prepare the client for the highs and the lows, because every case has highs and lows. And uh, there are days, <coughs> excuse me, when I come out of trial, they go, oh my God, what am I going to do? But you go back and uh, retool and uh, go at it the next day. So part of it is being steeled to see the case through day to day uh, and take the good and the bad and uh, do your best to make it come out well. Well, you have uh, definitely been very successful at that. And, and I commend you for that. Um, what, do you, what do you like to do outside of being an attorney? What do you do for for? for fun, for therapy, if you will. What do you do for fun? What is well, that yeah, I, I have, I'm very fortunate. I have two wonderful sons and uh, they both live in San Diego. Uh, one of them is married and has a 13 year old uh, daughter, my granddaughter that I love spending time with. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I like to read. I, I, I read. Uh, I, I need to work out. And I'm starting to do that some more. So it's a hodgepodge of things that, uh, that I do that keep me going. And uh, uh, just, I have a lot of good friends that I spend time with. And so all those things, uh, you know, help make up the day. I'm not a golfer. I, uh, I quit playing golf uh, when I realized that I was never going to be even mediocre and I couldn't stand uh, and not uh, doing well. So you may be a little uh, competitive, Ed. <laughs> oh, you think? <laughs> Yes, uh, but that's wonderful. Well, and that's a big reason that we profiled you today because um, I love uh, your story. I love your path. Um, and I want to thank you so much for, for sharing that with us today and letting us just have a peek um, in, into your journey uh, during your life. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. My goodness, you're welcome. I'm, I'm so honored and humbled to be part of this. Well, I think the Zizzers in West Plains are very proud of Ed Chapin. Thank you. Yes, in Southwest Missouri and Missouri, we are also very proud. And I thank you so much for being here and joining us tonight. Thank you. 
All right, this segment is also sponsored by Springfield Yard Cards. Go to SGF Yard Cards. And our post-game talk, let's move into our post-game talk, uh, sponsored by Story Construction. Um, give Story Construction a consideration for your next industrial and commercial construction. They've been open since 1966. Go to Story, S-T-O-R-E-E dot com. Uh, next week, we're going to profile some of the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame as they were inducted um, on Wednesday, uh, October 27th. We will be profiling some of those some inductees. So now for our post-game talk, you know, we are often faced with choices um, and paths in our lives. Um, we, we have to decide which way to go, uh, what way to choose, and how we're going to travel there. My guest tonight has made a lot of choices in his life, and he's learned from each and every journey. And I challenge you to do the same. I challenge you to look back and see how your journey has shaped you with the choices that you've made. What areas of your life may have been a challenge, but actually it gave you strength. How about a time when you felt like hope was a little bit lost, but you found courage and you built up courage in your coping skills? How about a time when you were humbled and discouraged, but out of that, you found wisdom? Over and over, our life is our best coach. That is your coach right there. There are experiences that shape you and they mold us and they make us become the best versions of ourselves. Embrace all of those lessons, embrace all of those times and let them turn into the rewards um, that you deserve and be grateful for them. That's how champions do it. That's how my guest has done it. So I remind you as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion, like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins and this has been A Coach's Perspective. <laughs>